Hello, welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. Today, we are speaking with Linda Wertheimer, former education editor at the Boston Globe and author of the book, Faith Ed, Teaching About Religion in an Age of Intolerance. Welcome to the EdCast, Linda. Thank you, Jill. It's great to have you. So when you wrote this book a couple years ago, we could argue that that was a a different time. Do you think the general climate of schools around teaching religion has changed at all? I think it has gotten more heated. I, I do. Because when you have you know, a president who's come out and proposed a ban on Muslims entering, you know, on, on Muslim-majority countries and people coming from those countries, when you have presidential candidates saying things like, well, let's patrol Muslim neighborhoods, and so then Islamophobia is rising. That has a ripple effect on the schools. You know, there's certainly been reports that bullying of Muslims and Sikhs and Hindus to some extent has increased in schools. It just makes the atmosphere a lot more tense when you're teaching about the world's religions because people will teach about uh, Hinduism, they'll teach about Islam. Islam is, of course, the flashpoint. Do you think that schools are making more efforts to teach about religion or maybe not are backing away considering the sort of climate of the world maybe? So I actually do not believe they are backing away. Um, what I am seeing are more efforts, kind of scattershot, but more efforts around the country to increase training for teachers, not just on teaching about Islam, but teaching about various religions and how to approach it. Um, there are a lot of efforts through the First Amendment Center in D.C. There are efforts here at Harvard through uh, Diane Moore at the Religious Literacy Project. So I feel like if anything, when things get more heated, there's more attention. But at the same time, I don't feel schools yet are backing off. I mean, teachers may be more nervous, but it's part of state standards in nearly every state in the country. And I think a lot of people might be surprised in the general public, at least, to hear that, that it's a part of standards and that schools are actually doing things to try to teach about religion and explore religion. In fact, I felt sort of surprised when I was reading about some of the examples and case studies in the book. And I guess one of the things I thought was the maybe the pedagogy behind some of these examples was a little bit misguided or misinformed. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things you discovered in your research? Sure. So what I discovered was a lot of really well-intentioned teachers around the country. They were really excited about, well, how can I make this lesson come alive for students? And what I found is, particularly with the religions they didn't know as, as well, they would get more creative. And then problems would arise. And as I said earlier, Islam is the flashpoint. Every controversy that I saw or wrote about had to do with Islam. I'll, I'll just mention right away Burkagate, right? the controversy I describe in the first chapter. You had this teacher, Sharon Peters, in Lumberton, Texas. And just to kind of place you, that's uh, southeast of Houston, almost on the border of Louisiana. And it is in the Bible Belt. But they were teaching about the world religions as part of geography, as they should. And she, for 15 years, had brought in clothing. Some she sewed herself. And it was clothing from Muslim-majority countries. And she would say, hey, anybody want to try this on? And students would try on burqa. 
would try on hijab. They would try on the clothing common to Saudi Arabian males. She also did this with, uh, to be fair, she did this with clothing from Mexico and other countries. The problem was you were having students try on clothing that had a religious connotation. And then the issue becomes, at what point are you almost simulating some kind of ritual exercise? At what point can it be offensive to another religion? Oh, there's so many different issues that can come up with that. So that, that was just one example. What, did, what was the temperature of parents? I, I can think of numerous news reports I've seen where parents, even in the Boston area, get very upset about their child learning about Islam. Yes. So I think there's some good news here. The good news is in every single school system where these controversies happened, whether it was in Wellesley, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, Lumberton, Texas, Tampa, Florida, Wichita, Kansas, the majority of the parents actually supported the teaching about world religions, and it was a vocal minority who would have an issue. So it's, it's not that the majority of parents are skittish. What I find is it's sometimes it's a minority of parents. Sometimes they have Islamophobia themselves or don't know a lot about it. They're scared about it. They don't trust the teachers to teach about it. In the case of Wellesley, there's only really one parent that I know of that caused a fuss over a field trip to a mosque. And the other parents were quite vehement about how much they loved this program. They thought it was wonderful. The school was devoting half a year to teach about the world's religions to sixth graders. They're like, hey. This is part of becoming a religious literary, literate society. It's part of becoming a global citizen. I don't have a problem with this. So. so if you sidestep parents, which I think a lot of people would assume have this fear, what did you see as sort of the, the, the challenge for educators and school administrators in doing this work? I, I think the challenge is actually the greater community. It, it's often people outside the school district who are causing these controversies. Like word will leak out. Um, how about if I take the field trip in to Wellesley, Massachusetts, from, from the Wellesley School as an example. In 2010, they took their sixth grade to the mosque in Roxbury in downtown Boston. And one of the parents belonged to a group called Americans for Peace and Tolerance, uh, which had not been in favor of this mosque from the very beginning, had imposed the construction. And that parent was connected to this group, which then asked her to video whatever went on on that field trip, one parent. And this was, the group had been part of a movement nationally that was going after CARE, the Council of, uh, let me get this right, American Islamic Relations. Um, they had been involved in some other disputes over what schools were doing about religion and were considered fairly Islamophobic. So it was more of a political thing. And even the uh, Florida controversy, too, that I wrote about, you had uh, a guy who was the former head of the Christian Coalition stoking the fires over a guest speaker on Islam. You had David Caton, who had been involved with a controversy over, who had stoked a controversy as well over ads on um, this new show about Muslims. He was trying to get, I think it was, uh, I want to say Home Depot, but I'm not exactly sure. He was trying to get a company to pull its ads. So you have these people who are sort of involved in Islamophobia actions around the country. If they, as soon as they hear about something, it snowballs from one parent's complaint to a national controversy. 
That's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> it, it was. It was. And then, you know, what I saw in Tampa, you had, you know, dozens upon dozens of people come to the school board. And they weren't necessarily parents of the kids taking this class. And I listened to the audio of these school board meetings, and it was very scary to hear some of the things people were saying about Muslims in America. It wasn't, it ultimately wasn't even about how are we teaching our kids or what are we teaching our kids. It's, you are bringing Sharia law into our schools. It was very paranoid kind of stuff. Yeah, I would think that that would be at the foreground of this, that there's a lot of fear about indoctrination and and things that maybe is not necessarily what the school is doing, but... You hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it is, I would say, a consistent theme, every controversy. People will say words like, you're indoctrinating my children in Islam. Or, um, you know, you are promoting Islam in the schools. And they will often say you're promoting it over Christianity. And the schools will respond, well, now, wait a second. What we are doing is we're teaching the kids about different world religions so they can see some of the similarities, see some of the differences, so they can get some basic knowledge about what they are. We're not promoting. We're teaching. Can you talk actually a little bit about Modesto, California? Sure. I would love for you to share some of the details of their curriculum and how they have approached religion. Sure. So Modesto, California, since 2000, has been the only school system in the country to require high school students to have a world religions course before they graduate. It's only a nine-week course, and what they do is they require the teachers to teach at least six religions. They can go up to like nine or ten. So sometimes it works out to one a week, so it's really fast. And the religions include the ones you're used to hearing people teaching about, which is you know Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. But then they go to Hinduism and Sikhism as well, and some of the other Eastern religions like Buddhism. And it is not a very deep approach. They would agree with that. They are trying to get across, you know, what when was this religion founded? You know, who were the key people? What are the core beliefs? Um, They'll, they'll look at uh, within the religion like different strands. Like in Ju- though in Judaism, they don't go that deep. I mean, I remember they, they look at sort of there's orthodox and non-orthodox. They won't go orthodox, reform, conservative. And the way the teachers teach it is, you know, they, they let me go back up a second. They start out, they talk about the First Amendment. And they talk about, you know, separation of church and state. And they'll talk about freedom of religion as well as when is it an issue in the schools. And they talk about why we can actually teach that. So they try to set the stage with, you know, what does our country say is okay in the Constitution when it comes to teaching about religion, when it comes to religion in the schools and how it can interact. So they sort of have that backdrop. Another aspect of this that I find really interesting is they also try to include a little bit of value education or sort of character education on the list things like civility and like six or seven character traits across the board with like a quote from different religions, respect. And then they will like maybe at the beginning, often the beginning of each class, the kids might write something about respect. So it's not preaching, it's teaching about religion. They wrap in a lot of things. The, they do not, unlike Wellesley and the other places in the book, no field trip. They don't allow field trips. They don't allow guest speakers. They don't allow sort of this back and forth 
heavy dialogue. They're trying at all costs to avoid controversy. And they, another really interesting part about Modesto is when they developed the course, they shared what they were doing with the different religious communities in their town, in the city. So there was buy-in from the beginning. And as far as I know, like, well, they still have never had a controversy. Hmm. And this is in California's Bible Belt. I think a lot of schools attempt to get their foot in the door on these issues through holidays and festivals. What's your take on that? Is that a good idea, bad idea? Am I simplifying it? You're not simplifying it because when you talk about elementary schools, what's the typical thing they'll do? Christmas coloring sheets and Hanukkah coloring sheets. Right. I mean, I even saw something at my my son's school where um, – I think I saw it later where there were holiday math sheets and one was Christmas and one was Hanukkah or whatever. I think it was just a take-home thing. I didn't have a huge issue with that. Um, You'll see, I think I wrote a column about this, but you'll see like uh, at my son's elementary school, they, an Indian parent wanted to come in and talk about Diwali. Fine. So she came in and talked about Diwali. But I raised the point as someone who had written about this is, that's just a one-shot deal. And then the kids, they're just just—they're learning about Diwali. But are they even learning about that this is a religious holiday? Oh, it's a cultural thing. But it's actually, of course, related to Hinduism. And I said, well, are they learning about the holidays of other religions and how that fits? And so then a message went out that said, well, anyone who wants to, set, anyone who wants to share a cultural tradition in class can do that. And they were very careful not to mention the word religion. And I'm like, Oh, they're not getting what I'm trying to say. Um, so, yes, I think a lot of schools try to, like, do a very s- sort of thin treatment of religion by, well, let's talk about the two holidays that are coming right now, like Hanukkah and Christmas. But that's not – do I think that's a great idea? I, I mean, in some ways I think it's better than nothing, but it's really a very shallow treatment of religion even for an elementary school student because if you just talk about Hanukkah – as the kids only reference to Judaism that's like one of the most minor Jewish holidays so and and there's more to religion than holidays I would rather see them uh, do something like I write about in Wichita Kansas where they have a curriculum about the world's religions as part of history written at the first grade level and the kids talk about first of all what is even religion because you can bet some first and second graders don't know and they learn basic things about Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and they'll cut out symbols and learn what those mean. And they do talk about the different holidays, and they do it in October. Because like the, the typical thing that elementary schools d- will do is, oh, it's December, right. let's do something. And often they only talk about something to do with Christmas. Sometimes they'll throw in Hanukkah. So I, I think this, that is something schools and teachers really need to think about and be more strategic about it. Don't just respond to the holiday, but how are we going to teach about religion in the elementary school? Are we going to touch it at all? You know, I think you should. I mean, if you're teaching about India, how can you not talk about Hinduism, which schools have done? Are there small ways of doing this work? I would think of way a, a couple of different things. I, so I thought my son's kindergarten teacher handled it in a really neat way. She didn't have a curriculum thing per se. 
but she would read books about different religions holidays to the kids. That's a very simple way to do it. And there are books like, it's Ramadan, Curious George. And there is a Jewish book, Hanukkah Lights Everywhere. And it's a simple story. And yeah, you could read a story about what is Christmas. Now, the one thing that often happens is they read about snowmen instead of Christmas, and then you're missing the point. I mean, I think you either have to do it or not do it, if that makes any sense. Like, if you, you can't just, like, pay deference to the non-Christian holidays and ignore Christmas, because my Jewish kid or the Hindu kid or the Muslim kid may not actually know what Christmas is. They're just going to think it's a Christmas tree or Santa Claus. So I, I think, yes, you can do lightweights by just, like, introducing what books do you use when you're reading to the kids, art projects. You know, the art teacher, music. You know, you could do different sacred music from different sacred traditions. That's not so simple, but that's something you could do in an elementary school that's easier than trying to throw in a whole curriculum that you may not have time to do. I mean, you have to be realistic. Some schools are willing to go farther and do the curriculum approach. The one more thing I would add, though, is I don't know if this is simple, but I think it's something you could think about as a teacher. When you teach about a country, what, what are the main religions of the people who live there? And I know, I think this is, I know in my son's elementary school and other elementary schools, they teach about China, Africa, India in the early grades. You should also think about how can you teach about, when you're talking about culture of those countries, religion is a part of it. So you can talk about what the religions are in those countries. Why do you think, or maybe you don't think, but I'm going <laughs> to gather, that it is really significant for schools to incorporate religion and education? I think it is totally critical. It is the whole reason I wrote the book, because I think it's so important. I would say there are two reasons. One is um, driven by my own personal story. I, I really think if you teach about different religions, you can make a small dent in reducing religious bigotry. And I write a whole chapter in the book about what I experienced as the only Jew in a small Ohio school because the kids didn't know anything. I experienced you know, anti-Semitism, kids trying to convert me, and just a real lack of understanding you know, that our religions actually had some parallels as well as some differences. So one is it can help reduce some bullying by religion, and I've heard kids talk about that, that it really does. The other is the education the huge educational reason. It can reduce religious ignorance. And every study I've ever read about Americans and their knowledge of religion, it's pretty pitiful. We're not, we don't know that much. When there's a Pew study and well, talks about, well, it surveys people on, I would say four, maybe four religions, four or five religions, including Hinduism, Judaism, the main world religions, and asks what you and I would consider pretty basic questions. And the typical adult 18 and over gets half of those questions correct. And some of the things they don't know include where most Muslims live, when does the Jewish Sabbath begin, um, who are the four, you know, the name the four Gospels. So things that a lot of us would consider fairly basic, they don't know. One of the things that was really interesting is that even though decades have passed, the same issues still exist and happen and most often it's a lot of reaction in the communities versus being proactive in, in terms of these incidents 
which is very telling about where we are in terms of learning about religion. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, as you know, like I started the book in Bedford, Massachusetts, which is the town next to mine. And they had had a string of anti-Semitic incidents in 2014. You know, there were swastikas in the school. And then they also discovered when they dug deeper that things had been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. Kids were throwing pennies at Jewish kids. You know, it, I don't think I have to explain what that means. Yeah. And they were, you know, like little first graders, a couple first graders were playing a game called Jail the Jews. I mean, it, you know, the, the kind of stuff that happened to me was a little bit different, but. You know, our, our house did get swastika when I was a teenager. I would have kids say to me, well, you're going to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. And that still happens. I think it will always happen. I'm not naive. I don't think there's a total panacea, but I think education can at least help. Well, I thank you so much, Linda, for talking with us today about this issue. I think it's something on the minds of a lot of people. Thank you, Jill. Is there anywhere people can go to kind of follow what you're doing? Yes. (laughs) Uh, I have a website, www.faithedbook.com, and you can subscribe to my newsletter. There's a a beautiful link on there, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Linda K. Wirt. Great. And Beacon Press is a great site as well. Great. Thank you so much again. This is the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thanks so much for listening.